I want to share with you today something just the Lord has been stirring in my heart. And uh, it's just a message called poured out or wasted. Poured out or wasted. And I'm not talking about drugs here. <laughs> For those who know what wasted means. Poured out or wasted. You know, the Bible from one end to the other. The Bible and the message of the Bible is one of the love of God for people. You can't look anywhere in the Bible where you don't see continually God's heart to reach out for the people He created. The Bible says God is full of compassion, full of mercy. This God we serve is not someone a long way off. He is a very personal God who loves us and is willing to connect with us, engage with our heart and life. When the scribe came in the New Testament and said, well, what's the commandment? What is the greatest commandment of all? Jesus said, this is what it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything's summed up in that. And often we pick and choose what we'll hold on to. But look what Jesus forewrote and he said, if I spoke with the tongue of men and angels, but I have not love. I'm just a clanging symbol. If I could move in the gifts of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith and I could move mountains, but I do not have love, then I've got nothing. I'm nothing. He said, if I'd bestow all my goods to the feed the poor, give my body to be burned, but do not have love, it doesn't profit me anything. Isn't that an amazing thing? that you can do mighty works, you can move in the Spirit, work in miracles. But if this quality called love is missing out of your heart, then all that you're doing has got an empty clanging sound in it, and eternally it counts for nothing. We don't want to waste our life. We want our life to be poured out and invested in something that lasts for eternity. I want my life to be poured out for something of value. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and say, of all the years I've wasted, you want to say, no, that your life has been one poured out in the love of God and poured out to love His people. You choose in that. We all choose in that. And I want to share with you two manifestations of love. The first one is a love poured out in worship. If you have love for the Lord your God, one of the ways it will express itself is in worship. So in worship time, I watch out to see how people are responding, whether people enter in, whether we, what is really in our heart. Because so often we look one thing on the outside and here we are in a great meeting, but do we give out to God? Do we open our heart, our inner man, and passionately worship Him? Second one I want to look at just briefly is the area of love that pours out in serving. So if the love of God is burning in my heart, if the love of God is alive and really true in my heart, there'll be two things you'll see. One is, I will love Him passionately and pour out myself in worship, and I'll pour out myself for the cause of Christ and helping people. And so you can always tell whether people have got love in their heart. You've only got to look in two places. You look at their worship of God, and you look at their serving people. It'll always work out in those two places. So let's look at the first one. And uh, in one, I want us to look in Mark chapter 14. 
is a message of its own, but I'll just try and keep it brief and just pick up two or three thoughts in it, that's all. In Mark chapter 14, and in verse 3 through to verse 6, and Jesus is there the end of his ministry. Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the letter. And as he sat down at the table, a woman having an alabaster box of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves. And they said, why is this fragrant oil wasted? Notice the two words, poured out, wasted. For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii, which is many weeks of wages, and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work to me. So we see here, first of all, there's a woman has come to Jesus, the Bible, if you read it in other places, actually it's Mary. And she has something which is extremely precious, very costly, very valuable. In fact, to be worth more than a year's wages. What she had represented something very personal, very, very costly. We don't know what she had it for or why she'd kept it, but she had it there. It was expensive. It wasn't cheap. It wasn't secondhand. It's something that cost her greatly. And realizing that Jesus' death was imminent, she came in one wonderful act of worship that the Bible records, so we will notice it. She takes this thing which is extremely precious, breaks the seal around it, and she came near to Jesus and she poured this oil over his head, poured it and poured it until it ran down this expensive anointment. Once it had poured down, begin to evaporate. It's like the most expensive perfume you could ever imagine. So expensive, you leave it on your shelf because you don't want anyone to pour it out and waste it. But there it is. She found someone worthy of it. In her heart, she had a deep gratitude to the Lord, gratitude for His forgiveness, gratitude that He had broken the power of sin, gratitude He had become her friend. So in an act of worship, extravagant worship, she pours out what is most precious to her, and that's what worship does. It's not just coming and token singing a few songs. It's not just coming and being entertained by musicians. It's not just coming and clapping our hands and yelling out to God. It is breaking open the seal of our life and allowing an expression to come out, allowing something that costs us. You know, the Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise. It doesn't cost you anything except you don't feel like it. You come in and you've had troubles and difficulties, pressures in your soul, heaviness over your mind, and then as you come into the house of God, you make this decision, I am going to give my very best to Him. I'm going to rise up. I will clap with all my might. I will sing. I will give my very best to Him. And the seal breaks on your alabaster box, and there's a pouring out of something, and it's like an ointment, something sweet, something fragrant and God notices it. It fills the house when it comes out of someone who is in stress and strain and pressure. You're suffering financially, and you have no way of paying the bills, and you come into the house of God. You say, nevertheless, I will declare you the Lord my provider. I will sow in expectancy. I will thank you and honor you. Friend, that is what is the expression of love. That is what is love. Love pours out. I love to pour out. I hate the feeling at times of limitation in how long we can minister to the Lord. Sometimes I'd like to be there just for hours just to dance and to worship and to celebrate and to love Him and to pour out how I feel about Him. 
See, love must find an expression. This kind of cold, reserved Kiwi thing, that's not love. That is a waste of your life. You notice what happened here? What this, the, the, one of the disciples said actually was Judas. He looked at what she was doing. There's something about extravagant, oh, glory-giving, abandoned love. It somehow provokes something in people. And this is what it provoked. One of them looked on it, and he severely criticized her. That's what religious people disconnected from love do. They severely criticize. It's evidence of a religious spirit. It's evidence of anger in the heart. He was furious when he saw her doing that. And so he says, what a waste. What a waste to pour out to God like that. What a waste to spend that time in worship. What a waste to pour out such an extravagant offering. He's critical. He was critical of an extravagant love for God. Amazing thing. But that wasn't a waste. No, what she did was not wasted because Jesus said, leave her alone. Jesus commends the woman who extravagantly worships him. He rebukes the people that say, that's a waste. I tell you what a waste is. A waste is when you've spent years getting education and you're still disconnected from God and you're not connected to the purpose of God and your whole life is lived without God. That is a waste. That is something precious poured out, wasted. When you're in business and you're there and God's called you to generate finances and you have no connection with mission, no connection with the eternal purpose of God in reaching the nations of the world. Why, that is waste. If we have a great building with all these things around us and there's no presence of God, that is a waste. These are things which are a waste. If you've been to a training session and learned how to move in the gifts of the Spirit, then you stick your manual on the wall and you say, well, I've learned that. I wonder what the next thing is. That is a waste. When you're in a church which moves in deliverance and healing, moves in the power of God to set you free from bondages, and you never come to a freedom retreat, never come to a restoration retreat, but you allow your bondage to save, why, that is a waste. That is truly a waste, a waste of opportunity. See, these are the things we need to understand. This critical religious man said, what a waste. But she wasn't wasting. She was giving her whole heart out to God in love. That's never a waste. It is never a waste. It's never a waste. It's never a waste. If we're just a spectator and we come to church week after week and we never reach out to win any soul for Christ, why, that is a terrible waste. If we have a talent and we never use it for the kingdom of God, why, that is a terrible waste. There are many things the Bible describes are a great waste. If you have a gift of music and you never develop it and learn how to worship God and bring His presence and help others enter His presence, what a waste. You get to the end of your life and you've never invested it in the kingdom of God. What a tragic waste that is. It's quite interesting. Just was with Brent and talking with him when he was conscious. And he said, you know, I've never been so close to death in my life. And he said, all my values have come into clear focus now. 
When the prospect of death is imminent, suddenly what is important looms into view. And what was unimportant that you wasted your life on becomes apparent. You don't want to get to the end of your life and discover, I wasted my life. See, if we go into the place of prayer and we have spiritual experiences, but never go out and help some person find Christ, some person be lifted into the kingdom of God, what a waste. Spiritual experiences can never make you mature, no matter how many you have. Only loving people can, because it forces you to face the defects in your character and grow. And this is why sometimes people will hide in spiritual experiences in the same way an alcoholic would hide in a bottle. It feels very, very good. But what a waste. You see, this man spoke up and he said, what a waste, but he had something wrong in his heart, as we'll see a little later. But this woman knew she had an opportunity. She had a prophetic ear. She could sense what God was doing. And so at a vital time in Jesus' life when he's about to die, and no one seems to be hearing that, they go, la, 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 don't talk about death and dying. We don't know anything about that. La, 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 don't take away. And she hears what God is up to, and she pours her heart into that and into him. That's a pouring out. That's an investment. That's never a waste. Tell you what a waste is when people come to church and they never break out of reserve and coldness and stiffness and discover the joy of being free before the Lord. When they're worried about what people will think, full of fear and pride, and don't learn how to express the love of God. What a waste. What a waste. We don't want to do that. So passionate love for God always expresses itself in extravagant praise and worship. But love also expresses itself in service. I want you to have a look with me and uh, come with me into Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. We pick it up in Mark chapter 3. So the love of God will always express itself in service, sacrificial service. And Jesus, verse 13, went up to the mountain, called to them those he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, to have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. Simon, he gave the name Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, whom he gave the, the name Sons of Thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, Thaddeus, uh, Simon, the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. They went into the house. Wow. So, Jesus called men to be with him. One of the primary things we have to learn to do is to spend time in the presence of God to become like him. You don't become like him in front of a TV. You don't become like him reading news and magazines. You become like him when you spend time with him. But spending time with him is only the preparation. You see, what he wants is to have an outcome. And the outcome is that he might send them, apostolically send them into the world. This has always been the same, that Jesus calls us to come to him because he can save us, break the power of sin, lift the guilt, lift the shame, set us free of demons, connect us into eternity. And then once he's done that, he wants us to go forth and make a difference with our lives. 
Very easy to realize and think it's just the twelve, but it's, it's not just the twelve. It's the whole gospel is one of sending people into the world, ambassadors, representatives of the living God, into education, into medicine, into business, into government, into every area. Why? That Jesus might be made known. The church is called to do that. The meetings are a time to be lifted up. The rest of the time is the work of business and serving God. Bringing His presence into the community. Bringing His presence with us. You can't bring His presence if your life is compromised with sin. You need to get connected to Jesus, sin out of the way, and then a life on fire to serve God. Listen, you are here because someone paid a price. This is the whole thing about the gospel. It's a gospel of the love of God, but it's also a gospel of the cross, of the sacrifice and lengths God was willing to go to in order to redeem mankind. Someone pays the price. And our gospel is birthed in the death of our founder, Jesus Christ, who died 2,000 years ago, poured out his life, sacrificed his life, but didn't stay dead. He was raised up by the mighty power of God. And listen, the gospel advanced, not just because of that. The gospel advanced because there were 12 men who caught in their spirit a passion, the same passion that Jesus had, the same vision of the kingdom, the same desire to make their lives count, and they sowed their lives out. I want to just share with you briefly what they did. You, otherwise, we, we get a westernized, diluted gospel. And don't realize that right now in the world, people are paying for the gospel with their lives. When Dave came back from Pakistan, he had a picture there of a man in a stretcher, unable to move, who was pummeled to death by angry, hostile religious people because he refused to give up Christ. That is a story happening all around the world. And so we look at where we've come from. If we look at where we've emerged from. If you look back to the roots of where we have sprung from, our spiritual DNA, it goes right back to the Savior who so passionately loved people, he sacrificed and laid his life down. And he so inspired men that others laid their life down. Let me just show you the birth of the gospel. These were young men that Jesus spoke to, probably somewhere in the mid-teens, about 17 through to about 30, but they were all young men. None of them had religious training. And all of these young men, Jesus spoke into their heart and life and called them to a destiny. He calls us to the same destiny. Gospel has never changed. And so there was Simon Peter. All of these men, exception of one, are pioneers and all poured their lives out in service, and you and I are here because of what they did. That's where we come from. We come from men who gave their lives up that the gospel may go forth. Must have known something, eh? Must have known something. Simon Peter, man who was impulsive, fisherman, rough, impulsive, faith faltered when someone challenged him. AD 64, he died crucified upside down. And he had influenced the city. He had influenced the whole region around him. He was the first one to preach and see 3,000 saved. This timid little fisherman walked on water because he dared to believe in Jesus and saw 3,000 come to Christ, come to an eternity with Christ. Andrew, 
In AD 60, he was crucified. He was crucified upside down in Greece. He preached in Greece, Asia Minor, Russia, and Poland. He preached the message of Jesus Christ and the love God has for men. And then evil men took him and crucified him. You see, the cross, St. Andrew's cross was like that because that's how he died. Upside down, spread out on the cross. James died in A.D. 44. James the Greater, brother of Jesus, beheaded in Jerusalem. He preached all Samaria. He preached right through to Spain. He was killed in Jerusalem by Herod. There was a huge public trial. The major thing. He spoke fiery, and he spoke boldly. He spoke so boldly, the Roman centurion that was shackled to him, the Roman centurion appointed to guard him and keep him so he got to the trial, was so convinced by his faith, he gave his own life to Christ and was beheaded with him. These are men who carried something in their spirit. This is where we come from. This is what we've got to be restored in the church. A fire of God and a passion to carry the gospel. What about some of the other ones? John died in 101 AD. He lived till he was old. He preached through a whole lot of regions. He pioneered many, many churches in Asia Minor, served as a bishop in Turkey. They tried to boil him in hot oil, but he wouldn't boil. There's no turkey there. He came out of that place, and there he was. And they, could, they got fearful of him, so they banished him. He eventually died of old age. He only wanted to die of old age. Philip, Philip, Philip in AD 40, 54, was crucified in Greece after being beaten and whipped, having preached the gospel all through Asia. He met his end, being brutally beaten and then crucified. Many of them met their death the same way as their master. Bartholomew died in AD 70. He preached in Mesopotamia, Black Sea, Egypt, Northern India. He was crucified in Amania for preaching the gospel to the king of Amania. And that king got saved and the people were so furious. They killed him. They beat him. They skinned him alive and then crucified him. And that country came to Christ. It became the state religion, Christianity. There's no waste there. They didn't waste their lives. They poured their lives out for the gospel. Thomas, doubting Thomas. We can identify with him. Died in AD 72. Speared to death in India. He took the gospel right through to India. He came across India preaching the gospel. In fact, there's one place there the gospel is deeply entrenched because of what Thomas sowed. He sowed the gospel into India. And Christianity is alive in India today because one man gave his life in India, poured his life out for the gospel. This man, so full of doubt, was spared to death in India. They spared him through and dragged him through the streets. Matthew died in AD 60, spared to death in Ethiopia. He was the one who wrote the gospel of Matthew, preached in northern Iran and Ethiopia. And finally, they killed him. A.D. 60, still a young man, James, James the Less, A.D. 62. Now remember James, he was the bishop in Jerusalem. So when they had the big decision in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15, he was the bishop there. He was the one who made the decision. And so he served there. He also preached the gospel around the area surrounding. And what they did was they got so infuriated with him, they took him to the top of the temple and they hurled him physically to the ground. 
And then when he'd fallen to the ground, then they threw stones at him and finally rushed on him and clubbed him to death. And the witnesses that heard it heard him praying forgiveness for those who did what they were doing. This is where we come from. This is our seed. This is our DNA. Men like that, that as they're being clubbed to death, can say, Father, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. And exit this world, not having wasted their lives, but having poured their life out. Great men of God, young men, totally committed to the cause of Christ, totally committed to Jesus. How different it is today. But this is where we come from. Let me give you just a couple of others and we'll finish them. And so that's James. And then there's Simon. Simon was crucified in Britain. He preached the gospel in Asia, through Africa, into Iran, Samaria, Europe, right up to Britain. Finally, they crucified him and he died there. There was Jude. AD 72, he died. He was beaten to stone to death in Iran. He preached in modern Syria and Iran. He took the gospel up there and preached it, and he was beaten and stoned to death. He didn't waste his life. He poured it out for the gospel. There was one man who did waste his life. Now, here's what a waste is. His name is Judas, who committed suicide. He didn't pour his life out for the gospel. No, his bowels poured out when he hanged himself in despair. Here was a man with business acumen, a man with quite sharp mind, a man who could see opportunities, a man who walked with Jesus, a man who moved in miracles, a man who touched the powers of the age to come. And yet in his heart, there was something not right. There was something about money that got a hold of him. There was something about money that gripped his life. And he was the one that says, what a waste. He was the one that criticized the woman. He was the one that said, you should give it to the poor. He didn't care for the poor. He was an opportunist. He was looking after himself. Eventually, it was flushed out. He betrayed Jesus. What a tragic waste. What a tragic waste. What a tragic waste. And he was replaced. There was another man that came up. His name was Matthias, Matthias, Acts 1.26. He preached in Ethiopia, Egypt, Turkey, Judea. And then he was stoned and beheaded in Jerusalem. He stepped in where someone had failed. And he carried the mantle of apostleship. And he poured out his life for the gospel. I was reading recently of a man who had tremendous experiences in the spirit realm. And so he was able to, from the spirit world, look into the natural world. You understand there's a natural world, a physical world, we can touch it now. And there's a spirit world, which is an invisible world around us. Most of us are so conditioned that we think the physical world is real, and this spirit world is a little bit unreal. In James, the Bible says, what is your life? It is but a vapor that is here for a little while, and then it vanishes. And this man had visions from the spirit world. And this is what he saw. God gave him ability to see from the spirit world into the natural physical world. And he, saw, he was astonished at what he saw. He said everything was like a vapor. Except for what was established in the spirits of people by God. And that was permanent. 
And says, as he looked around, he could see the various stages of development of people. He could see people who had really grown, people who were immature, people who had grown, people who had become strong, people who had given their lives into God, and, and their spirit dimensions of their life had grown, and their life was uh, focused on serving God. And, and he saw there was tremendous light and substance to them. But he, he said, this is what astonished him. Everything else looked like vapor that could go, and it's gone. So from the spirit world and eternity's viewpoint, what you see that looks solid is going to pass away. The thing that will be left is the eternal realm of the Spirit of God, which is real and eternal. What you see is temporal, it'll pass away. So why would you waste your life trying to pursue it if it's going to pass away? If we could get an eternal perspective, life is very short. And you and I have come, and the root DNA, this is why this will resonate in your heart, was men who gave their lives for the gospel. Men who stood up in their generation and carried the message of the love of God and the power of God to change a nation. They said of these men, they're coming here, these are the men that have turned the world upside down. They live radically different. They don't embrace our values. They have a supernatural God who does miracles through them. And they're turning everything upside down. And they've come here to us. Well, God is wanting our city to say the same thing. Not about apostles who lived 2,000 years ago. But about men and women sitting in this room today. Will you... Waste your life with something that can never have eternal value. Or will you connect with Jesus Christ? Begin to discover and embrace His unique calling for you wherever and however that operates. And live passionately for Him. I was astonished this week to hear one man in our church, and the people around him had no idea he was even a Christian. What a waste. What a waste. We're not called for that. We're called to be different. It always starts with a decision, and each day you make the same decision. Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friends. And you and I are called to the same call that those apostles were called to. The same Jesus calls us. The call is the same. To take up the cross. Stop living a self-centered life. And begin to pour our life out. Towards God and towards people. In the way ever He's called us to go. And to whatever He's called us to do. Why don't we just close our eyes right now. I can sense the presence of God here. It's the same Jesus that said, Peter, follow me. John, follow me. James, follow me. Bartholomew, follow me. Simon, follow me. Jude, follow me. Thomas, follow me. And today he's saying the same to you. Follow me.
Don't follow the crowd and waste your life. Don't follow the values of the society you live in and waste eternity. But follow me and pour your life out. Just right now, I sense there are many that God would be speaking to in this way. God has been challenging me. A very fresh. I was thinking the other day, flip next year, I'm 65, I'll get a pension. Dear God, I don't like the thought of that. Well, the money's fine, but I don't like the thought of, it's the thought of being 65. That's the bit that worries me. But God said to me, if you knew you had 20 years to minister, what would you do with the 20 years? And it's got me thinking. And so it starts with a fresh commitment to Christ and a fresh commitment to his cause. Joy and I are making that right now, having a week away, just alone with God, to meet with him, fellowship with him, talk to him about the next season in our lives. I believe God wants us to sow our lives into this area to see it change. 